Hi, everybody. It is great to be with you today for the Association of Washington School Principals Conference. We are so excited to share this film with you. But before we show the film, I'm going to introduce uh, my son, Samuel Habib, who's here, and he's going to give you a little background on the film. Samuel, take it away. Hello, everyone. I'm Samuel. Thanks for this opportunity to show you our new film. I'd like to tell you a little bit about our project before you watch it. Since January 2020, I've been interviewing some awesome adults with disabilities about relationships, work, education, living on their own, healthcare, finding support people, and every part of transitioning to adulthood. Before COVID, we traveled to do interviews and filming in Washington, D.C. We had to stop traveling for a while in 2020 and 2021. But once we got fully vaccinated, we got back on the road. We traveled to Indianapolis and New York City to film. I am also filming my own life from my perspective with two GoPro cameras mounted on my wheelchair. And my dad is filming and photographing my life. The title of the film is My Disability Roadmap. It premiered on the New York Times website in May of 2022. We are really excited to show you this 22-minute documentary. Okay, hope you enjoy our film. Logo for the New York Times. OpDocs. The New York Times OpDocs presents my Disability Roadmap, Dan Habib and Samuel Habib. Unified Sports Basketball Game 2017. My name is Samuel Habib. He takes to the court. I live in Concord, New Hampshire. Samuel passes the ball. I've been in regular school and classes since preschool. Teams line up for post-game high fives. In my senior year of high school, I asked my friend Anita to go to the prom with me. She said yes. And then I had a seizure. Damn. Samuel and Anita in prom attire. But we did go to the prom together and we had an awesome time. Enthusiastic campers on stage. I like hanging out with my friends. And going on adventures. Yes, on a zipline van, a roller coaster. And I'm a speed freak. Down a snowy hill in a sit ski, his partner standing behind him. I am in my third year at the local community college. I really want to start dating. I set up a profile on Bumble and Hinge. It's really hard to meet new people when I can't drive in my friends' cars or get into their houses. Out for a stroll. Someday, I want to get married and maybe have kids. But I need to figure out how to do all the things I want to do. Organize stacks of medical supplies getting packed into boxes. Nobody in my family has a disability. My close friends don't have disabilities. Dan helps Samuel dress in a hotel bathroom. They don't understand what it's like to have a disability. Film plays in fast forward, getting ready for the day. I don't want to rely on my mom and dad so much. What about the airport? Dan Habib. TSA agent hands bottles of medications to Dan. Samuel gazes out the plane window, then he steers into an accessible taxi. I want to figure out how to follow my dreams. Driving past the Washington Monument. But nobody tells you how to be an adult, let alone an adult with a disability. The day is cold and sunny. His communication device and the GoPro topple. That's not good. 
there are badass people with disabilities who figured it out. I want to talk to them. I can learn from them. Maybe they could be my mentors. Heading into an Art Deco apartment building. Hello. Oh my gosh. Long awaited. I know, Samuel. I can't believe it. I am so psyched to finally meet you in person. Judy Human is one of the greatest disability rights advocates of all time. She's spent decades fighting for civil rights for disabled people. She's a revolutionary. Looking up from his device, Samuel grins. I am currently working with my dad on a new film project. I'm asking each person about relationships, work, education, and every part of living a full life with a disability. Dan straightens Samuel's head. Samuel taps his device screen with his finger. What did the teachers and principals expect of you during your school years? And what did they expect you would do as an adult? I don't really recall people seriously asking me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I mean, honestly, I don't think I ever really felt comfortable and confident in any of my classes. I could get involved in debates and things of that nature, but that kind of inner sense of confidence and not being afraid, I, I don't think I really ever felt that. Home videos of young Samuel. You're a little different than me because when you were born, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act and Section 504 was more than 25 years old, but I was born in 47 and there were no laws in place. Your parents could talk to lawyers or advocates. None of that existed. What we've been discussing, Samuel, in part is allowing disabled people to feel proud about who we are and to feel like we have a right not to be discriminated against. As a young child, he used a manual wheelchair. Now the FDR memorial statue where Roosevelt's wheelchair is fully visible. I have cerebral palsy. That means my brain communicates with my muscles differently than most people. The original FDR statue, a large cape hiding his wheelchair. The only thing I dislike about having a disability is all of the medical stuff and my uncontrollable movements. I call the uncontrollable movements the wiggles. They suck and make me really tired. In his Red Sox World Series hoodie. I also have a hard time controlling the volume of my voice. Samuel and Dan side by side. All right, so for Bob Williams, what do you want to ask, Bob? <laughs> what did? Samuel's mouth shapes the words before he speaks, his eyes half closed with focus. I your parents, your parents think that about your future when, when they found when they found out that. that CP. Great. When do you want to ask that question of Bob? First. First. Okay. Breaks out into a huge smile. Can we program it in your Toby. Incredible. So, so bright. I love it. 
A film crew ready to record. What did your parents think about your future when they realized you had cerebral palsy? Bob Williams, disability rights policy leader, helped gain the passage of the ADA. Bob's head lowered. He looks through glasses to type on his wheelchair-mounted communication device with stiff fingers. Like many of their generation, when I was born, my parents were told to institutionalize me and to never look back. Instead, they raised me in the same rough and tumble world of love as my brothers and sisters. When I grew up, the chances were slim to none for a kid like me with cerebral palsy who drooled and had little to no understandable speech ever entering a public school, let alone graduating from high school and college, having a career, getting married, or having a family. Younger Betsy sleds, with Samuel in front in a toboggan with back support. His older brother sliding behind them. Holding toddler Samuel in their yard, Dan lowers the boy to kick a soccer ball. I have an older brother named Isaiah. He is 24 and lives in Flagstaff, Arizona. Photos, the boys snuggle and cuddle. I didn't see him for over a year because of COVID, and I really missed him. On a FaceTime call. Did I have sex? Hell yeah. Samuel smiles. Isaiah smirks playfully. <laughs> Isaiah puckers at Samuel from the iPad. I love my brother, but he doesn't have a disability. I want to talk about sex and relationships with Keith Jones. Caitlin Ramsey, direct support professional, and Samuel weave through traffic. He has been a mentor for me since I was in elementary school. He tells it like it is. Who the hell is that grown-ass man in the wheelchair? <laughs> They fist bump. A hand lowers sunglasses over Samuel's eyes. In medical masks, they ride the elevator to a spacious room at the JCC New York to interview Keith, Crip Hop founder and human rights activist. Samuel smells gleefully as his finger swipes a selection. Do you have advice for me about sex? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> Rule number one. Rule number two, rule number three, all the way down to 100, bag it up. Go bag it up. I don't care if you have to pull it over your head to your feet, bag it up. There are many, many, many ways to, to negotiate the path to getting in intimate situations. But sex, where it has meaning, where it's not just a physical act, where it's emotional, intimate, it's the full connection with the spirit and the body, that's rare. That comes with somebody who understands who Sam is, knows what makes him laugh, knows what makes him cry, and wants to be there for him the whole time. After seeing Keith, I went to talk with May Soon Zaid. 
she's hilarious. She uses comedy to take down ableist culture. Thanks for getting together, May Soon. It's awesome to be able to talk to you in person. I hope you don't disappoint me. <laughs> I'm trying to learn more about relationships and sexuality. <laughs> I want to start dating, but it's hard to take that first step. How and when did you start dating? <laughs> so like I said, Muslims don't date, we get married. Um, <laughs> I think relationships are super overhyped. So much, so much work. And that like even sex is so overhyped. My advice for relationships is honesty and being realistic. If someone doesn't want to date you because you're disabled, that's not the person that you ever want to date, ever. What is the one piece of advice you'd want to tell every young adult who experiences disability about transitioning to adulthood? The one piece of advice I can give people is you're not alone, find your community. He beams. Samuel and family dance in the yard, run on the beach with the service dog Proton. My extended family is fun. They accept me as a person. They include me. They understand me. They have high expectations for me. That's why it's so frustrating to meet people who just don't get it. At the airport, someone skitters awkwardly out of Samuel's way. Samuel's doing documentary film work. And you are such a cutie. Oh. How do you get so cute? <laughs> Huh? His smile vanishes. Can you say answer? I'm just like, I'm kind of talking to him like it's a five-year-old, but he's a 20-year-old college student. Okay. You're, so, 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 I, so I, I just... How old are you now? <laughs> so just, you know, you can talk to him like you would any other 20-year-old college you? student. <laughs> are you 20? He gazes up to her, then sighs, eyes wandering. You don't know me. My name's Joe. And I've been talking with your dad. Yeah. So Samuel shuts down a little bit when he feels like he's being I'm talked sure. down to, and I feel like you're just talking down to him I a little bit. I don't mean to. Yeah, you're like just he's a 20-year-old college student, and I don't. Where do you go? Would... You in school now, hey? No. All right, we're gonna line up to go get first on the plane. Hey. Have a good have trip, a great trip. All right, thanks you too. Hook, watch yourself. I don't want to run anybody over. Samuel's face, furious and stony, locked in a grimace. Ah. Yeah. What are you feeling? Uh. Oh. Uh, uh. Oh, oh. What are you feeling? Oh. Pissed off, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Dan tenderly grips his son's shoulder, Samuel's t-shirt. Without communication, there is no freedom. They head down the jetway. Disabled people like me are isolated and excluded from so many aspects of life. But when people talk down to me, they underestimate me. On the plane, Dan prepares medicine for Samuel's feeding tube. Samuel watches the landscape unfold below. Touchdown on a cloudy day. They join Andrew Peterson, marathon runner and fetal alcohol syndrome activist, smiling at a picnic table in a tree-filled park. Samuel taps pictures on his device that accompany peer program statements. I have difficulty talking, and sometimes people talk down to me. Do you feel underestimated because of the way you talk? Never. I ignore anyone who refuses to accept me. 
it's not easy. Instead, I always believed in me. Were your classmates ever mean to you in school? Some laughed and called me names. Far more walked by me like I didn't exist. Samuel's face still and pensive, then he crosses a wide busy street. There is an idea I like called the dignity of risk. Taking risks makes me feel proud, powerful, confident, bold. I need to take risks so I can live an adventurous and full life. One risk I want to take is moving away from home someday. I met someone who took that chance when she was about my age. A Zoom call. Hi, Ellie. I'm Samuel. It's awesome to meet you. Hey, Samuel. Nice to meet you. Thanks so much for your time today. I've got a bunch of questions to ask you about your transition to adulthood and your career. What is the biggest risk you've taken in your life? Probably when I moved to New York City and I went to NYU because I really was stepping out of the bubble that I grew up in and the safety net that I had. And I sort of was taking on the world on my own. Of course, I had tons of support, but I was really more exposed and more vulnerable. And so I was young and I was 18 and I didn't really even know better. So there was no other option. I was just like, I'm just going to do this. So I did. Ali Stroker, Broadway and TV actor. When I was 19, I also took a big risk. I decided to do deep brain stimulation surgery. All right, so we want to say goodbye here. I hoped it would get rid of the wiggles. Awesome. Nurses roll his gurney through the corridor. Samuel is asleep after surgery, a handwritten note on his chest. Please be careful around my IV. It has been pulled out before, and I'm anxious it'll happen again. The surgery took about nine hours, and then I was in the hospital for two days. Samuel sleeping, his service dog kissing Betsy, a wide strip of his hair shaved off. They turned on the electrical current a couple of weeks after surgery. In his standing wheelchair, Samuel is still. It feels really good. My body is calm and the wiggles are mostly gone. I had to get back in the bag They tried to deny me, they wouldn't believe it I told them it's happening facts I was grinding all along, never front still in the back Deep brain stimulation has changed my life Getting a Red Sox tattoo Before the surgery, when I got excited Like when watching sports My body would get really wiggly Sometimes, I would have to stop watching Now, my body is calm Shows off his tattoo to Red Sox players, signing autographs for him. Meeting all of these mentors has made me even more proud of who I am, and proud to be part of the disability community. Disability is part of the natural diversity of the world. Shopping at the farmer's market with Dan. We should not be segregated. You don't want to be rolled over by this chair, it's going to hurt. What motivates you to be a disability rights advocate? Lydia XZ Brown. Every single one of us has a moral responsibility to challenge injustice and violence oppression in every way possible. We can't wait for or rely upon non-disabled people to save us. What motivates me is the knowledge that there is still injustice and oppression 
and I cannot rest until I end it. The MLK Memorial in D.C., then at four primary election rallies. I'm learning to become a better advocate. I know I need to be persistent and work hard. I get tired, but I won't give up. Hi, Senator Warren. I'm a college student and I live in Concord. I want to work and earn money, and I get social security. So if I earn money from work, my social security will go down. Please tell me about your plan for this. So check out my disability plan, which was written by the disability community. How will you support more affordable housing for people with disabilities? For everything from long-term care to uh, disability Ugh. support. I love that question. Thank you. Hi, Vice President Biden. How will you support more inclusive education for students with disabilities? You should be integrated into all of the classes because you're smart. <laughs> you're smart, you're smart. The disability is not does not define who you are. It doesn't define who you are. I can't believe he stroked my face. Weird. An article from The Mighty on Samuel's thoughts on the interaction. The video of me with Vice President Biden went viral. Biden under fire for stroking a disabled man's face. But I voted for him and I hope he is a strong supporter of disability rights and inclusive education. Pushes his ballot into the machine. We have to tell our own story. May soon. Because when non-disabled people tell our stories, we only get to have three stories. Help me, I'm disabled, cure me, or kill me. And when you have more disabled people behind the camera, writing, shooting, editing, directing, creating docs like you are, telling our own stories, then it won't be the endless pity party. Samuel raises his fist high over Zoom. Maysoon does the same. Now, Little Island NYC, a new fully accessible park. Samuel and Caitlin pass a spinning optical illusion by the curvy paved path. I face new challenges with my disability all the time. My muscles don't work as well as they used to, so it's gotten more difficult for me to use my communication device or drive my chair independently. Do you want to stare into that? <laughs> but I do not need anyone to feel sorry for me. I have a good life. I love to travel. I have friends and family and support people that are fun to hang out with. The sun hangs low near the Manhattan skyline. Someone dances on a grid of tiles. Samuel rolls across the tiles, breaks out into a huge smile, and circles back to go again. The sky is pink and orange as they leave the park. Meeting all of these mentors has been empowering. I am part of a strong disability community. We want change and we are going to fight for respect and rights at every opportunity. In medical masks, they join others at a railing to watch the setting sun. People paved the way for me. I want to pave the way for others. Now, I just need to find a girlfriend. Fade to black. Abbreviated credits directed by Dan Habib and Samuel Habib. Producer Dan Habib. Co-executive producers Sarah Boulder and James Lebrecht. Consulting producer Andrea Levant. Editor James Rutenbeck. Composer Max Avery Lichtenstein. Additional music Feso de Madwan Te Uno. Color correction and sound mix Pinehurst Pictures and Sound Rick Degree.
Advisory Board, Elijah Armstrong, Alexander Freeman, Taylor Freeman, Tia Holmes, Anna Laundry, Galen Spagler. Audio description by Social Audio Description Collective. Writer, Cheryl Green. Script editor, Robert Kinyet. Narrator, Nefertiti Matos Olivares. Thank you. Mitsubishi Electric America Foundation. Westchester Institute for Human Development. Kansas University Beach Center on Disability. Kansas University Center on Developmental Disabilities. Mazelski Family. Millersville University. UMass Boston Institute for Community Inclusion. University of Rochester Strong Center for Developmental Disabilities. University of South Carolina Center for Disability Resources. Left Moving Image Fund. Association of Washington School Principals. Washington Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction. Senior Commissioning Producer Christine Ketcher. Supervising Editor Andrew Blackwell. Series Producer Yvonne Ashley Kuajo. Executive Producer Adam Ellick. Co-Executive Producer Lindsay Krauss. This short documentary is part of a series by independent filmmakers supported by CMP. Executive Producers Steve Cohen and Paula Fraley. Copyright Like Right Now Films, LLC, 2022. For full credits, please visit MyDisabilityRoadmap.com. So, Samuel, can you tell us a little bit about what you're up to now in life? I am in college at NHTI, the local community college in Concord. I am working on getting my liberal arts associate's degree. I have been taking one class a semester and have a 3.0 GPA. So far, I have taken sociology, cultural anthropology, psychology, contemporary ethical issues, U.S. history, and social media strategies. This past semester, I took mindful communications and I joined the Environmental Action Club. I have enjoyed meeting new people. Last year, I moved into my own home, an addition on my parents' place. I look forward to making more friends and maybe finding a girlfriend. Right, Sam. Well, so I know that you, that's finding a girlfriend is one of your hopes and dreams for your upcoming life. Do you also have some hopes and dreams for the film that you want to share about how uh -huh. the, you hope the film has? My goal for the film is that people won't talk down to people with disabilities. I want everyone to know that people with disabilities demand respect and rights. And I want other young adults with disabilities to have the same opportunities that I have had for healthcare, inclusive education, college, assistive technology, jobs, making friends, and independent living. I want people to learn from disability role models like Judy Human and Bob Williams. I want to help people learn how to live a full life with a disability as they transition to an adult by focusing on all the possibilities of relationships, work, education, and disability rights. Wow. Well, that was well said, Sam. Well, you captured everything and more that I would hope for this uh -huh. nice work is at. Um, how, tell us about how do you feel about being a person with a disability? What are your, what are your overall thoughts on that? The only thing I don't like about having a disability is that sometimes people talk down to me like I am a three-year-old and my genetic disorder has made it more difficult to drive my chair by myself and use my communication device. But I am proud to be part of the disability community and I have an awesome team of support people every day. 
Right. The scene in the film at the airport, people have have certainly talked about as a moment where you felt talked down to and you get pretty angry. And I don't see you angry very often. So that was that was something in that moment. Um, but I'm glad that you feel you have a great support team. I mean, you have incredible direct support professionals and friends who who are helping you live the full life you live. Um, but I know you still have challenges transition to adulthood. What are what are some of the greatest obstacles in your transition to adulthood? The biggest challenge for me is getting into the homes of my friends and family members. Sometimes I also get too tired to stay up late, so I miss out on going to bars, parties and dates at night. Right. And I know you're not a huge beer drinker, but you still would like to go to bars, right? <laughs> Especially sports bars with big TVs so you can watch all your favorite games. Um, you know, I know you also think a lot about your future and all the dreams and hopes you have. Do you want to share a little bit about your, your own dreams for the future? I dream about getting married, having kids, and making more films. I am thinking mm -hmm. about transferring to a four-year college in the future mm -hmm. and traveling around the country and the world. I want to go to the Football Hall of Fame, Mount St. Helens, a Florida Gators game with my cousins, London and Europe. That's right. And um, I know we've already got some plans in the works to get down to Florida to a Gators game and uh, Mount St. Helens. Yeah. Gators, right? And next summer, hopefully, Mount St. Helens out in Washington. So you're starting, to, and then you got to earn money to buy your tickets to Europe. I've never been. You've never been. To where? Never been to Mount St. Helens. Well, we're going to try and make that happen, right? In the works. Samuel, um, can you talk a little bit about how the idea for this film came about, the, the My Disability Roadmap film? I wanted to figure out how to follow my dreams. As I said in the film, nobody tells you how to be an adult, let alone an adult with a disability. I decided to interview people like Judy Human, Bob Williams, and Keith Jones because they are people I look up to. They are great advocates and role models for kids and young adults with disabilities. I wanted to ask them about their transition to adulthood to help me and others be successful. Success can be defined in many ways. These are just people I wanted to have as mentors. Sam, the mentors you interviewed gave a lot of powerful advice, all of them. Is there one piece of advice that you've taken most to heart that might even benefit other people with disabilities? The advice I got from one of my mentors, May Soon Zaid, was, you are not alone. Find your community. That was powerful advice because I have always had a strong community, starting with Beaver Meadow Elementary School. I am continuing to find my community at NHTI Community College, in the disability rights community, at work at the Westchester Institute mm -hmm. for Human Development, and in my hometown of Concord. Um, and speaking of Maysoon, Samuel, we're excited to share this expanded conversation between you and Maysoon.
What do you remember most about school? Did your parents have to advocate for you to be in regular classes? My three older sisters um, went to school before me. So we went to enroll me and the superintendent of schools said I couldn't attend the public school that my sisters attended. So my dad went to the superintendent and basically threatened to sue him if he didn't mainstream me. My immigrant dad said, in the name of Allah, I will suit you. And I think Mr. Kallergrecker thought he said he would shoot him. And I was mainstream. I think that if my father hadn't fought for me to be mainstream, if my parents hadn't insisted, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing. I wouldn't have achieved what I did in academia. What was your self-image like in middle and high school? And how has that self-image changed over time? Oh, Sam, I don't know what to tell you. I've just kind of been a rock star my whole entire life. So my parents couldn't afford physical therapy. They sent me to dancing school. At the end of the year, we would do this dance recital, and I would get applause, and people were always like, oh, you're so cute. And so, like, I didn't grow up at all realizing that people feared disability, that disability was unattractive to people. I'm trying to learn more about relationships and sexuality. <laughs> I want to start dating, but it's hard to take that first step. How and when did you start dating? My advice for relationships is honesty and being realistic. I think relationships are super overhyped so much, so much work, and that like even sex is so overhyped. I was married for 10 years, I got divorced because he just kept breathing and I couldn't take it. If someone doesn't want to date you because you're disabled, that's not the person that you ever want to date, ever. I am taking college classes at my local community college and I'm working towards an associate's degree in liberal arts. What were the challenges for you in going away to college? having to teach everybody about my disability. I went to Arizona State University to study theater, meet a new professor, I'd have to teach them about cerebral palsy, I'd have a new roommate, I'd have to teach them. There was this kid that lived in my dorm and he came up to me and he was like, dude, you're wasted. And I was like, no, I'm not drunk, I have cerebral palsy. And he was like, that's messed up. You should come smoke weed with me. I can fix that. Senior year, they do a play about a girl with cerebral palsy. So clearly I'm gonna get it, I don't get it. When I go to the office of the head of the theater department, I shouted that I would not be ignored. And I demanded that she explain to me how I didn't get a part, that I was literally born to play. And in that moment in college, that's when I realized that like, oh, oh no, nobody's gonna cast me. Nobody's gonna give me a chance. I can't do this. If I turn on the TV, I don't see people that look like me. And Marshall W. Mason, my acting teacher, took me aside and he said, your personality is too big for you but you're gonna grow into it. How did you get your first job in the entertainment business? <laughs> I would walk into auditions and people, before I even opened my mouth, they'd go, no, 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 no. And it became very clear to me that they weren't gonna cast me 
in roles that weren't written as disabled, and <laughs> there were no disabled roles. So where I saw myself was in stand-up comedy. I hate mothers, all mothers, my own, other people's mothers. I don't want to be a mother, because I'm thinking, you know, the whole cerebral palsy thing I shake all the time. They're going to hand me a newborn slippery baby. I'm going to drop down the bed. <laughs> I got my first paid gig as a comic, and nine months into my comedy career, 9-11 happens, and I'm Palestinian, I'm Muslim. And I got back on stage, and me and Dino Vidala decided we're gonna start this festival. All right, welcome to the 18th annual New York American Comedy Festival. It's all about like combating the negative images of Arabs, but when people ask me about Arab issues or Muslim issues or women's issues, I still always talk about disability because disability intersects with everything. And a guy on television named Keith Oberman found out about me and invited me on his show. This man is using the fact that he's a bigot to prove that he's not a racist. Rafael <laughs> Salon. What? No! No, Sharmuta! Adam Sandler saw me, and he wrote a part for me in his movie, You Don't Mess With the Zohan. I fulfilled my dream. I became Zahra Amir on General Hospital. I wanted to be on General Hospital since I was five years old. Your client concealed his child and denied his parental rights, and I intend to prove it. I always wanted to tap dance on Broadway, and with my tour, I tap danced on Broadway at Town Hall. How are people with disabilities portrayed in TV and movies these days? Samuel, we only get three storylines. It's either, you can't love me because I'm disabled, heal me or kill me. We're not telling our stories. Non-disabled people are writing what they think disability is. And not only do we need to tell our own stories, we have to be in front of the camera, we have to be behind the camera, writing, shooting, editing, creating docs like you are, telling our own story. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What is the one piece of advice you'd want to tell every young adult who experiences disability about transitioning to adulthood? There's very few people to help you, but the people that you should totally look to and connect to are other adults with disabilities. You're not alone. Find your community. Thank you so much, Maysoon. This was awesome, and I'm learning so much from you. You are very welcome, and I hope you find that love you are looking for. And when you get divorced, you call me up and say, I should listen to you. Sam, well, do you want to talk a little bit about what the best part of creating the film was for you? I love to travel. So my favorite part of making the film was going around the country with my dad, seeing new places, filming with my GoPros, and meeting all of these cool adults with disabilities, like <laughs> Keith Jones, who is a hip-hop musician and human rights advocate. Uh, he is hilarious. He is, and he's been amazing. Uh, you were, what, like five years old? I think you've known Keith and been hanging out with him. So uh, one of many very important people in your life that we are able to include uh, in the film. Uh, um, 
We've had some adventures in our travels, right, Samuel? Do you want to share a few of the most challenging parts of creating the film? Uh, Setting up and getting all the interviews done was the uh, most challenging part of creating the film. We had to fly or drive a long way for the interviews. On our flight to Indianapolis, they turned my power wheelchair on its side both ways and it got damaged both ways. On our trip to DC, we had a six hour flight delay. And then as we were finally boarding our plane, another passenger talked down to me like I was a three year old. I wanted to curse at her, but didn't. On our NYC trip, I had a seizure, but we still got the filming done on all the trips. Yeah, and I take responsibility for the New York City trip seizure. It was the middle of the night and I missed one of your meds, giving them uh, that made you have a seizure. So I'm sorry. Won't have that. Won't have that um, Sam, well, you noted in the film that a lot of your close friends don't have disabilities, but as you grew up, were there opportunities uh, other kids with disabilities in, in our region, in Concord? I, I have lived in Concord, New Hampshire my whole life. The Concord schools were inclusive. So actually, I have had a lot of friends that have disabilities, especially in high school, playing unified soccer, basketball, and track. But my best friends do not have disabilities, at least not visible disabilities. Some have mental health challenges or learning disabilities. Right. So you you had a pretty diverse environment growing up in Concord and the Concord schools for sure. Um, how was it in general growing up in Concord as someone with a disability? Do you feel like the, the city was well designed for someone with a disability? Were there some gaps in supports or access? It was awesome to grow up in Concord. The schools were inclusive and accessible. Concord has done a good job about being more accessible. When I was a kid, I could not get into most restaurants and shops downtown. But since they renovated, I am able to get into most places. There is still work to be done like the football bleachers at Memorial Field. I am not able to get all the way up in the bleachers with my family and friends. My chair blocks the aisle when I am sitting down in the accessible section but I still think Concord is a great place to grow up and live as an adult with a disability. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad we decided to stick around here, Samuel, for that the reason and many others. Um, you know, I know you spend many hours speaking out the answers to these questions, preparing for this and, and, and sharing your thoughts, and then we program them, program them into the Toby. But I know communication device technology, also known as like AAC or augmentative and assistive communication, can be really time consuming and, and frustrating at times to work with. How did you try to show that in the film? Or how did we try and show that? In the <laughs> I agree that it is really slow and frustrating to use a device, especially because it has gotten harder for me to move my arms because of my GNA01 neurodevelopmental disorder. And it is really hard for me to talk. That is why we put the scene in the film where I am speaking out the words one by one, and my dad is repeating them. Then we show him programming them into the device. I think that shows that it takes a long time to get the words into my device.
We also showed Bob slowly typing his words in his scene. We also wanted to show that I communicate better with people that are patient and who talk to me in an age-appropriate way. Right, which are most of the people we encountered, I think, did talk to you that way. And you uh, always get get your mind, uh, share what's on your mind so effectively, Samuel. Um, do you want? Can you talk a little bit about how you and I collaborated and how you collaborated with other people on our team in developing the film? Like, did different people have certain areas of responsibility, or you know, did we all work together on every aspect of the film? Mm -hmm. Talk about that a little bit. We worked together on most parts of the film, including working on all of the mentor questions together, some of the editing, and some of the meetings with our editor James Rutenbeck, our executive producers Jim Lebrecht and Sarah Boulder, and with the New York Times. I have the awesome role to do the individual interviews. I compose the questions with my voice, and my dad programs them into my communication device. Although we work together as a team, each person involved with the production of this film has their strengths that we try to highlight in different ways. I have enjoyed being able to work with my dad so closely on something we are both passionate about. My life is very intertwined with my parents, so they are very aware of most of my deeply personal things. I don't remember any disagreements about what to put in the film. Yeah, we've worked really well together, but you have ultimate say. I give you give you give veto power of everything, Samuel. <laughs> and, and as we go forward on the full film, the feature-length film, there's gonna be a lot more decisions to make that you will be you will be making side by side. Sometimes we just hang out in my office, right, and work together on this. So, Samuel, about dealing with condescending people, like the airport lady, as we call her, the people who talk to you like a child. Um, <laughs> picked up any new strategies? Have you thought about new ways that you might want to deal with it in the future? <laughs> I want to curse at people who talk down to me, like Joe, the woman at the airport in the film. But I did not because I'm afraid that people would get mad at me. Next time, I will say talk to me like I'm an adult. I am learning a lot from people with disabilities, that it's not easy to be an adult with a disability. But I'm learning from them how to be a better disability rights advocate. I'm learning to be a better advocate for my life and for other people with disabilities. Nice. Yeah, I think next time, although people have said they, they appreciate the way I spoke with her, I'd rather you be the one speaking directly. So that's that's the plan next time, right? Because it's inevitably going to happen again. Um, so I know, Samuel, we focus a lot and you focus a lot on inclusion and being part of, you know, um, alongside non-disabled folks in every aspect of your life. But do you ever think it would help disabled youth to have some deliberately planned and arranged, you know, clubs or organizations that are that are really focused mm -hmm. on disability awareness and disability rights for people uh, who are disabled? I think it would help disabled youth to have planned contact with other young adults with disabilities. I think a disabled students club would be helpful so kids can have an opportunity to talk to others like them. I don't think disabled youth would resist. I would like to be in a club with other people with disabilities. Yeah, I think that's um, something that it sounds like you've been talking about exploring more and more, maybe in college as well. And, and those disability rights or disability awareness clubs definitely exist. Um, 
How, you know, one thing, Sam, was you, in order to live the full life you live and have your own place now, there's a lot of supports and structures around you, right, that help create that system. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the, you know, some of the agencies or organizations that help support you and are the things that they could do even more to help help in your life? My support services are arranged and paid for through Community Bridges under participant directed and managed services. I think that support agencies could do more to help young adults like me get out there and maybe meet a girlfriend. Community Bridges helps me with a lot of aspects of my life. But there are currently no programs to help with my social life. My DSPs help me with my social life. Right. Your direct support professionals really are there to support you in, in those aspects of life. Um, and it's hard, you know, when you leave high school, you leave a big social network, too. And that that can be challenging because college especially has been remote a lot for you or, um, you know, just one class a semester. So I'm, I think you're going to continue finding new communities to connect with. Um, Sam, a lot of people ask you for advice right they want to know how do we do this how do we do that and and you're young you don't have answers to everything but i bet you have um after making the film and you know documenting this part of your journey could you give some advice to children other adults or young adults with disabilities or parents or schools and colleges different communities that might learn from your experience my advice to children teens and young adults with disabilities is to find your community one of my mentors, Maysoon Zaid, told me this. Mm. My advice to parents of children, teens, and young adults with disabilities is to include them in everything, like my family has done. My advice for schools and colleges is to be inclusive. All of my schools have been inclusive and that made a big impact on my education. My advice to disability organizations is to find new things to help people with disabilities, especially for employment. Great words of wisdom, Samuel. Thank you for those. Um, you know, you you make it look pretty smooth. You you work hard. You're very persistent. But you've been through a lot, right? I mean, you just had a surgery the other day. You you deal with seizures still. You deal with a lot of fatigue and medicine that has side effects. How do you stay motivated through all the kind of challenges that you navigate really every day? I stay motivated by having a positive attitude. I know this film is doing good for other people with disabilities. My family motivates me with good thoughts about my present life and my future. I'm glad to hear that we play a role, Sam. I mean, your, your immediate family, your extended family believes in you so much. And I always say you are the most positive and resilient person I've ever met in my life. I just can't even imagine being somebody more positive and resilient than you. Um, speaking of which, leaving high school was could be a big change for people, young adults, any young adult, but it's perhaps those with disabilities even more so. Was it difficult for you to adjust your routine, a new routine after high school? It was not difficult to adjust to a new routine after high school. I like my routine now better. I like going to college at NHTI because my professors are great and the students are friendly and kind. Mm. My job is going really well. I like meeting all the mentors and traveling with my dad. I'm more relaxed now because of my brain surgery. And also high school was kind of wild. 
My nervous system got pretty amped up by my friends and all the girls. Yes, you were pretty amped up. It took you about a year, I think, to amp down from high school, but you're much more chill now, I think. Every time I walked into that high school, I was like, how do you do it, Sam? Well, there's just like so much going on here, <laughs> so much energy in these in these halls. Um, we built an advisory board for this film, and I'd love, I'd love for you to talk, just tell people a little bit about um, the advisory board that we created for the film. We created an advisory board for the new film project made up of some people we've known for a long time and some people we met recently through people like Judy Human. Everyone on the advisory board are young adults with disabilities. Advisory board members gave us awesome feedback on the Opdoc film and they will be giving us their feedback on early cuts of the feature length film and for or educational materials and outreach and publicity campaigns. That's right. And you have some experience with other film work that uh, we've done and you've done. Do you want to just share some about some other multimedia projects you've worked on in the past? I have done some other journalism and film projects. I made a film called Rolling Through Downtown Concord about rebuilding our downtown to create accessibility on our main street. I did a seven part newspaper series for the Concord Monitor called The Sports Sit Down. I interviewed people with sports-related jobs about how COVID and the racial justice movement affected their jobs. I also made a short movie about Judy Human for a high school project. The movie was featured in the Breaking Down Barriers Film Festival in Moscow, Russia. I interviewed some of the presidential candidates in 2020. For another project, I worked with the Disability Rights Center of New Hampshire to do video interviews with all eight major candidates in New Hampshire about disability rights issues, including voting rights, funding for adult disability services, special education, healthcare, housing, and employment. All of these are on my YouTube channel. I think one of the really cool things, Sam, was you you found your strength and that is connecting with people, interviewing people, drawing people's stories out and you're pursuing that in your career. And that, that is really, really cool and making money while you're doing it as a bonus. So can you just talk about how did you choose which parts of each mentor's interviews? So much good material in the interviews that you did. I reviewed the best sections from the interviews with my dad and we picked out the most powerful lines. I also like people who are funny, so we included some of those lines from Keith and Maysoon. Like Keith's advice about bagging it up. We wanted to focus on people who would be honest and tell it like it is. Yes, Keith Jones, you knew it tell it like it is. I think pretty much everybody in the film told it like it is. And uh, but I don't think I've ever seen you smile so much as you did during the interview with Keith. <laughs> Always bag it. I know. Good advice. Words to live by. Um, so, Samuel, one other, on kind of a sad note, um, people might be curious about Proton, who was such a big part of your life for nine years. you want to give any updates on Proton? Proton died of cancer at home in March of 2022. We had him for nine years, and we had a great life together. I miss him. 
Yes, we all miss Proton, but he will always be in our hearts and minds, and he will also be uh-huh. in this film, I think, because he's in a lot of scenes and a lot of pictures. So we'll always uh-huh. see images of him in our lives, for sure, and our memories. Um, Samuel, that was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for sharing all your thoughts about the film. Um, uh-huh. I'll put on the screen now how uh-huh. people can stay in touch with us and follow us on social media, at uh, on Facebook, uh-huh. on Disability Roadmap on Instagram at My Disability Roadmap, on Twitter at My Dis Roadmap, uh, also on Instagram, Dan Habib Films. Samuel, is there anything you want to say? Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for being with us.